0: Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter five. I've been sick, and uh, I've t- finished my last uh, antibiotic for uh, salmonella yesterday. And uh, I only missed a few parts of the service today where I was fading in and out. So, but it won't be in my sermon. Uh, I'm going to be on 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 mark here or in, on point here. So, um, I, I didn't get a chance to share much, but I want you to know that our time in Germany working with the ex-Muslims who are forming the first Messianic congregation for ex-Muslim or Muslim background believers is being formed, and we've been invited to go. I won't say the dates or the country, uh, but it's in the Middle East, and we're looking forward to going. Part of the problem in the Middle East especially, but in other Muslim countries, not just the Middle East, is that if someone with a Muslim background name joins a Christian church, the Muslims will bomb the church because they consider apostasy for a Muslim to accept Christ. So they may leave the Coptics alone or the sons of God, or they may leave the Christian kind of groups largely alone. But when Muslims, and they're happening in the thousands, are coming to Christ, uh, you know, the Christians are happy that they're coming to Christ. On the other hand, they're scared to death to embrace them and let them in the church. One of the things that we heard, they said, there is not one place in the whole Middle East where an ex-Muslim who has been following Christ, some of them for 10 years now, uh, is in leadership in any church in the Middle East. That's how difficult the culture is, and that's how difficult it is because of the danger of having uh, former Muslims uh, come in and be part of the church. So uh, the need is uh, there was 100 and something leaders. Uh, Jack was the one, of course, that uh, a friend of ours. Jack and Kay led us uh, to get connected to this trip. And uh, it was amazing to hear all these different uh, former Muslims uh, share about the great need of this and what's happening. God is doing some really incredible and beautiful things. And uh, we're so pleased to be able to, in a very, very small way, first of all, we've seen some of this in India, and Chad, and other places, but to also go and be able to participate at the beginning. I mean, imagine if you could be there on the day that the Samaritan Church was formed, or the church in Rome was formed, or the Greek church was from, or the church in Antioch, Where We're getting a chance to be part of our little church here, an explosion of the Spirit in the Muslim world. And uh, it is, uh, I just can't tell you how exciting and thrilling it is, A, what God is doing, and then that we get to, I mean, we, haven't, we have not invested, I mean, there's people who invested their whole lives and never saw a convert. One of the things that the Muslims said, the ex-Muslims said at this uh, conference, these were all senior leader kind of people, but they said, uh, in almost every country we know of, missionaries who spent over the last 100 years, their whole lives there, multiple ones, and never saw one convert. But right now, the fruit of that, they were planting, and it seemed like nothing happened. But in this day, the harvest is coming up. And so people are waking up with dreams and vision, the Holy Spirit's getting older people, uh, convicting of their sins, healing their bodies, uh, and they're encountering them, and they're coming to Christ as Savior and Lord. I mean, just a, a very, very exciting day. And it makes me think of, Can you imagine all those people who gave their lives uh, in the 1900s and maybe some of them in the 1800s and really saw no fruit, no apparent fruit. And yet today, I mean, that's one of the things that these guys were talking about, uh, men and women, was that you know it it looked like none, and yet today you can't stop it. The Holy Spirit's moving so powerfully. And uh, anyway, it was very, very exciting. Then I went down to Tanzania, uh, ordained a priest, a man who's 62, got two PhDs, there's not another single uh, theologian in that country who has two PhDs, uh, etc., but they never let him get ordained because of the competition jealousy. They were afraid that they ordained him, he would become the most popular. So imagine coming back to your country, having gone to the States, earning two PhDs, at 35, returning home, being in charge of five seminaries, but never being allowed to be ordained, even to be a deacon. So at 62, by a crazy circumstance, uh, one of our priests in Vera Beach uh, went to seminary with him before he earned his PhDs and our friends from all the 30 years. And, uh, and then we got to go there uh, and be part of uh, ordaining him as a deacon and now a priest. And we will be part of uh, uh, helping him also uh, within the next year becoming a bishop. And he's been functioning as a bishop for all these years, but he's never been part of a group. The other thing to know is they asked me for a name, and you know that we're kind of Anglicans in exile here. We, we are not part of any of the other groups. Uh, there's a lot of good groups, but it just, the Lord hasn't led us. Uh, and so in helping this, I mean, here I am, I'm helping to found the an Anglican Church in Tanzania, uh, and they said, well, we need a name. So we, I was like, we don't even have a name for ours other than we just are local church. We've just, we've got a little diocese, but we don't call it anything, we're, we just, we just, we're not people trying to build some big thing. We're trying to be holy people. Uh, I heard this thing uh, on Facebook. You know, they had these. I get Andrew Murray and different ones, and and uh, one of the quotes uh, that someone had from one of these things I get on Facebook. It said, uh, "The Celts said they were not looking to plant churches. They were building colonies of heaven." And that's the spirituality. We're trying to help people profoundly know Jesus, experience the power of the Holy Spirit, that we could be healed, and that we could be whole, and then released. Uh, to help and to change this world. So all this to say, because I had to come up for a name for the our branch in Tanzania, we're gonna have a branch here. <laughs> like I'm gonna have to, org- we're to have to organize here. But anyway, so the name that we came up with, and they have to. The government's requiring uh, that all the churches in Tanzania have canons and a constitution. Well, you can imagine that lots of independent churches, particularly Pentecostal and Baptist, they don't have that. They don't even know what it is uh, because if you're not Anglican or you know from that kind of background who's got cannons? I mean, no one, everyone doesn't use it. Well, at the very time the Lord's been leading us to do this, the government's cracking down. And so now all these independent Pentecostal churches are seeking our man out to come under. So there's already like 30 churches asking to come in under our guy, uh, if you can imagine. So the name, you wonder what the name is now? I'm, I'm kind of boring. Anglican Missionary Church. So it's the Anglican Missionary Church in Tanzania. I came out of the Episcopal Missionary Church. So the Anglican Missionary Church, it is not real exciting. There's not a lot of flash in that. Uh, But it is descriptive, and it's going to be good. And I I laugh because I'm thinking, the last thing I ever wanted to do uh, was to try... I think there's so many denominations. What God put on my heart was to help people, no matter if they're Pentecostal, Baptist, to encounter the Holy Spirit and to get healthy. I've never been trying to create our own thing. That's not my DNA. I I want to help churches get healthy, uh, whatever they are, just to make, we want people to be better Christians. We don't care if they're Anglican or Methodist, as long as they know Jesus, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're accomplishing what God's called them to do. That's our agenda. But uh, there are times when the Lord gives you something to do that you would not pick, Uh, but here it is. So uh, we now have almost until, and by November, we'll have uh, about four times the churches in Tanzania that we have in the United States. So anyway, we're growing. You didn't know that, but we're growing. So there's that. The other thing I want to mention, I was praying Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, the one thing about this sickness is I haven't felt good, obviously, and I've been so tired. The only thing I can really do is to sit, and some of you know I pray, but I'm always in a rocking chair when I pray. So I sit in my outside rocking chair. I sit on the inside rocking chair. I mean, I just rotate different positions in different rocking chairs. I'm praying. But I saw a picture, you know, the main thing we've been praying about for this property next door is for Sunday school rooms. But of course, all of our rooms, we also do a lot of prayer appointments and things. And while I was praying, and I'm, believe me, I think the children's thing is like massive in terms of this property. what we, But I also saw on the house, House of Healing. So it's like I'm praying, and I saw that house, you know, and I'm not claiming we're going to paint that on the house. I'm just saying, I, I thought, oh, Lord, of course... Uh, I, I know the great need for our children to raise up families and children, uh, but isn't it neat? I could see as I was praying over the land and the building, I could see Ah, like, oh. Both for the children and for people that come in the week. I mean, you know, Sunday morning and we'll have youth nights and things, but, but most of the time those rooms will be available and be part of helping people to encounter the Holy Spirit in whatever way they need uh, in the vast majority of time throughout the week. So anyway, that was very exciting to me. I don't, it's not surprising in light of our vision and mission, but uh, I actually saw it like a painting, I mean like a painted, not nice enough maybe to actually do it the way I saw it, but the point is I saw that on that building and I was so excited that the Holy Spirit was reminding me of his presence uh, in the healing ministry of our church and how it will be extended there both in the lives of the children and the people that will come as well. So one last thing. I am going to be part of this thing, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, on my way. And of course, we think the world of Lisa Howard and Cheryl Williams. But I want you to know, I'm not making any money. This is their ministry. This is how they fund going all over the world doing things. So they, it costs whatever, 75 or $50, whatever. whatever that, but I want you to know, I'm not getting a penny and I don't want a penny. I'm serving their anointing and being part of and, and serving them. And I'm so happy to do it. We've had them come here and the Holy Spirit has moved powerfully. We are very much know that God uses them very powerfully in terms of healing ministry. Uh, But I want you to know uh, the money part is that's how they are able to go to all kinds of places. Just like when we used to go to India or Africa, uh, you know, the people, you minister sometimes with people who have the money, and that's where you get the money to go do all the other mission trips. And that's how it is for them too. Uh, Neither one of them are, are making any money off of it. It's all to pay their bills and to help them to travel to do their ministry. But here's the nice thing at least when you go to that conference, you'll know God showed up. I've been to a lot of Christian conferences that were good, everything was nice, but you couldn't say that you encountered the Holy Spirit. I can assure you, when you go to that conference, if you choose to go, you will encounter the Holy Spirit, and you will be further on your way, so to speak, uh, than you were before. That's why it's worth doing, and that's why it's worth my time to go serve them uh, in that and to assist them. Uh, I'll still be back for church and all that, of course, but I'll be down there in Jacksonville for that. All right. I I, probably because I've been sick. I probably misspoke about the eight o'clock service. It's next week. It's canceled, not today. We had about half the people either here right now or whatever. Because I'm, I'm sure I'm the one that messed it up, and I'm so sorry. But it will be next Sunday that, of course, will be that ordination. All right. Let's move into Luke chapter five. Now I want to remind you. in the calling of the disciples, I want to talk about vision today and provision. Vision and provision. So the disciples were originally called by Jesus, and they got up and they followed him, and they thought it was kind of like saying, hey, let's come for a, you know, a men's weekend. And they went with him, and when it was over, they didn't realize that Jesus was calling them to come and to follow him, and he meant it like full-time, everything. And they didn't get that. So the disciples, after a certain amount of weeks or days, whatever, they thought, okay, it's time for us to get back. We got families, we got to pay the bills, uh, you know, we got obligations, blah, blah, blah. And so they went back. And so this is where Jesus ends up calling them back right after this. He calls the disciples back and they understand in a whole new way that he's going to provide for them uh, and that they're going to follow him with all of their life, that they're going to be disciples and in the ancient world, in the Jewish world especially, but in the ancient world, Jewish people picked a rabbi. This is the only time in, in Jewish history where you have a rabbi picking the people, which is kind of very interesting. Do you realize that he picked you? I don't know about you, some of you, some of us, we've been in sports and things and no one picked us. They used to always pick my sister before me, nothing worse than that. <laughs> the slowest death is to have your sister picked before you. And uh, until I was probably 14, my sister was a really good athlete, and she always got picked first. And boy, did I hate that. But can you imagine? You're on Jesus' A team. He picked you. He picked these guys. They didn't get it. So here he comes in Luke chapter. They're going to get it right after this. But here he comes, and he encounters them, uh, and he's getting ready to teach. So it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 1, so it was as the multitude, I mean, people... I mean, you can imagine when the anointing is there and people are getting healed and demons are being cast out and all this incredible stuff is happening. Sickness is leaving. I mean, there's a crowd that followed. So it was that the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God. You know, in India, we, we, we talk about we were so impressed with, uh, with the healing. I mean, people that were blind were seeing and deaf people were hearing and all kind of miracles and we called back in July, that happened in May in 2015, I think, or April 2015. When we called back, I was down uh, getting a call from WhatsApp, and I was actually in a 2J's deli in Vero Beach on a Saturday morning uh, when the, the guy called me. You, if you know me, you know 2J's the place I would like to be in. Anyway, so I was down there, I had to get up out of the restaurant, and he calls me, and I'm asking him, what about persecution? He says, they're not persecuting anybody, because the Muslim imams and the Hindu priests are saying, Jesus healed everybody, why are we going to? Why are we going to beat the Christians? Oh, that's never been heard. That's just absolutely off the chain for how things normally go when people get baptized and follow Jesus. The second thing I said, well, are they talking about the miracles? And I mean, there were so many miracles. He said, no, they're not talking about the miracles. They're talking about Jesus. I was so embarrassed. I was so impressed with the miracles. I was more impressed with the miracles in a sense. Uh, because I was raised Baptist. I never knew what the Holy Spirit, I didn't, and I, I never dreamed that I would see the kind of things that I saw the Holy Spirit do. And yet, these people rightly received their miracle, meaning they got that it was more than the miracle. The miracles are awesome. They certainly need to be healed and touched and delivered. But that the biggest thing was they encountered the living God in Christ. And all they wanted to do was to hear his word and to learn. That's how it was with Jesus. They want to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, the Galilee, and and two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Apparently, uh, you know, I've gone uh, flats fishing, and we got fish. They're not here today. We got some professional fishermen in our church, and you know, I like fishing, okay, except for the heat, and because you also you can't eat, you might throw up in the sea. You know, I mean, other than those two factors, I like after. I actually would like to have fishermen for neighbors. But anyway, but the other thing is, when you go fishing. I mean, you spend more time cleaning the boat when you get back in the heat than you did out in fishing, you know? So that kind of turned me away from the fishing it was all that, all that cleaning up stuff and, and, and uh, the fact that I couldn't eat a lot when I was out there. If, you, if I could pack a picnic lunch out there, I did that one time. I was going out from Cedar Key and we went out and, and uh, I didn't know that i get seasick once I can't see land. So I forget what kind of fish, if it was a group or whatever it was, but I learned on that day don't eat a big breakfast if you're going out there past where you can't see the land anymore. Uh, I prayed to throw up on that day, and my prayers were answered. <laughs> so in any case, these guys, of course, they've been out all night. Apparently, that's how they did it. And uh, they're out all night, and they're fishing. They come back in the morning, and they're cleaning out the nets because the nets will rot and fixing them in case they broke, etc. cetera. Uh, and the two boats, he saw them standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Verse 3, then he got into one of the boats. I don't know about you, but I'm not always real thrilled when people start getting into my stuff. I don't know about you, you know that way? I'm like, I don't even like it when John Carl sits in my rocking chair if I'm not there. Okay, (laughs) If I had a little poster stand on my chair, I would do it. So, I mean, here they are, they're working, and now Jesus, Jesus is a carpenter, he's not a fisherman, doesn't know about fishing. This This thing is not, oh, Jesus is a great fisherman. That's not what this story is all about. It's precisely because according to his humanity, he didn't know about fishing that makes the story the whole beautiful thing about the story. So uh, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Simon Peter, you know Peter, right? Okay. And he asked him to put a little out from the land. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm tired and I'm cleaning up, the last thing I want to do is to get everything back out. So I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting because I'm a whiner, but I'm kind of thinking, Peter might not have been so thrilled. I mean, the other thing is, if you go out, what do you got to do? Come back in. That's work to me. I don't know. Maybe Peter was happy. Doesn't sound like it from the, from the, in a minute. But, but so here he is. He's tired. He's cleaning his stuff. Now Jesus. And, and they had enough respect for Jesus. He was special enough that they couldn't tell him no. But as you're going to see in a minute, they weren't maybe real thrilled about what he was asking. All right, he gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's, asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the multitude from the boat. Now, tradition says this happened at a certain place uh, in Capernaum, right there in the Sea of Galilee. I've been to at least one of the little places, and it's like an amphitheater there. The Scottish hospice is right up on the hill. You come right down, you walk in big stones, you swim in there, and I mean... Who knows for sure, but it's, it's the place traditionally they think it happened. And it is amazing how the, uh, the sound carries on the water. So, so he gets out a little bit and he's preaching and people can hear him. Uh, and, and then it's going on. And then he says, when he stopped speaking, uh, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and drop down your nets for a catch. Now remember, they had been out all night. We're going to find out in a second. They didn't catch anything. Apparently there are good days and bad days in fishing. I know about that in hunting, but I didn't know about in fishing, even professional fishermen, they had had a bad day. They're tired. They cleaned everything. Now they got a carpenter telling them what to do, even if he's a nice guy. That's kind of annoying. This is what Peter says. This is where you're getting the attitude, the little sass that I'm I'm projecting. Peter says, Master, we have toiled. That is to work hard. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Meaning, it's a bad day, and now it's a bad time, and you're telling us to go to the wrong place. But since you're a priest, we'll let you, right? Since you're a rabbi, sometimes you get that from people. Well, you know. Jesus knows more about our marriages, he knows more about how to raise children. He knows about our businesses. He knows about things that he has no business according to his humanity to know, except for he is also not only 100% man, he's 100% God. And because Jesus was in touch with the Father, the Father was leading him to do something which was unprecedented and unexpected. We are in a season where the way that we have done things in the past is not the way they're going to be in the future. The Lord is bringing things to a close for a certain season. Uh, it's coming to close. And now he's saying, you have learned to hear my voice. Now you're going to be directed more explicitly and specifically, and I'm going to move with more power and presence, and your gifts are going to be released like never before. The best things are yet to come, but you have to listen. So here's the thing. When Jesus gives you a new vision, he will provide. Provision is on his way. Okay? Where there is God's vision, there is provision. Now, what's the caveats? Number one, we have to be people to pray and to ask for God's vision. As long as you're doing your own vision, and I'm, I mean, these last two weeks, I've heard the Lord said, look, I'm shutting down some things about what might have been, how you used to think it was going to be. You had these old dreams and old visions, and, and, and I'm mixing them all up, and you've got to let some things die, and then some new things are coming. And it won't be like it was before, but the best days are are yet to come. Can you imagine, some of you are thinking, at my age, I'm just winding down and hoping it's nice before I die. Jesus said, the best season of your life is right here. Whoa! but I missed it because I wasn't following the Lord back then. Listen, you have not missed God's best. God's best is where he is. Whenever you return back to God, and get close to walk with Jesus and empowered by his spirit, your best is there. There may be some other roads that could have happened that didn't happen. I'm not saying uh, everything that you did in the past is, is, is somehow great. No, no. But when you repent and you get right with God and you're following Jesus and you're empowered by his spirit, you cannot miss his best. He told me that one time when I said, oh, I missed your best. I spent 10 years unwilling to be open to the Holy Spirit as a pastor. And I thought, oh, the whole thing was a waste. I missed your best. And he told me this in a healing prayer appointment. I don't even know who it was with. But he said to me, my best is where I am. If you come back to me, there's always a new best with me. There's always a fresh day. His mercies are fresh and new every morning. And when we turn back to God, we have every reason to be expecting and open to hear a fresh vision for this season. And with the vision, there will be provision. But you will not hear God's vision until you're willing to lay everything down. There's some things that are from the past that he's going to bring back, and, and other things he's not. Let it go. I don't know which or which. I gotta let it go. All right, Lord, you pick back up whatever it is. In this season, pick it up and show me how you want to do it now, not how I used to think you're gonna do it back then. So I'm listening for his vision. All right? I'm trying, once he gives us the vision, we must obey the vision. Meaning, Jesus said, Go out. Peter might have said, Hey, we're tired. Some other time. I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine saying that Jesus, but I mean, presumably, he didn't have to do it. He was not with a good attitude. Even his bad attitude couldn't get in the way of the fact that he obeyed. It was God's vision and he obeyed. And look at the provision. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, verse 6, and their net was breaking. I mean, can you imagine? For me, it'd be like, and the buck was so big. The rope that you were pulling it, the buck on the ATV, started snapping. I mean, can you imagine? I don't want a big net full of fish, but I tell you what, I like a big buck. I killed one buck, 175 pounds dressed. I needed help, put him in the back of the truck. I said, "Ah, this is a buck." Right? But there's a lot bigger ones out there. All right? I'm still, still praying for a bigger one. Can you imagine? They had a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat. You don't signal to them until you know you can't can't handle the whole thing. Then you signal to your friends. The other boat came and helped them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. I mean, they're right on the edge. Water's coming in and out. When Simon Peter saw it, he got the point. He got the point. That this is not about fish. It's about who Jesus is. So he became afraid because he realized he didn't get afraid because it's so much fish. He didn't get afraid because he's worried about his boat. He got afraid because he realized this is a different kind of man. That he knew this guy doesn't know anything about fishing and he, we know everything he did, he did wrong except for he's in tune with God. And because God is with him and we did what he said and he realized I'm not that kind of person. I don't know if you've ever had that sense when we realized just how dirty in a way we are. And how incredible and wonderful god is and the funny thing is our past and our mistakes and our sins however horrible god never turns his back in fact at the very time where peter gets in awe of the goodness of god and he's afraid jesus is saying draw close see it's the knowledge of our sins and how crummy we are that's the holy spirit showing us not to chase us away the devil says then turn and run god says come closer I have dealt with your sins in Jesus on the cross. Run to me, I'm running to you. Eight, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. He was ashamed. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Nine, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. You're not disqualified. You're not a knucklehead. Your past has been messed up. You didn't learn how to do this before. No, no. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you shall catch men.' Meaning, I'm going to take the things, even your mistakes from the past, and I'm going to show you how to hear God's voice and allow that the things that you've known in the past about fish, you're going to be able to apply to people. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the things that you know will now come back to you in a new way by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you'll realize... You'll be able to catch men because you know how to catch fish. Only the Holy Spirit can help us extrapolate the things that we know about fish or our, our, our building or whatever it is that you're, you're, you're skilled in, science, uh, HVAC, whatever it is, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Those things have spiritual application if we can hear God's voice. Jesus, says, don't be afraid. You're not disqualified. You're not, listen, I'm going to give the part that you don't have. You just have to play your cards. If you bring your little loaves and fishes, Jesus is always saying, I will make the feast. I'm not asking you to be the, I'm not putting pressure on you. I'm not asking you to be the cater. I'm not asking you to open a restaurant. I'm asking you to bring your loaves and fishes. And Jesus is always making the feast. Peter, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be ashamed of what you don't know. I'm going to take the part you do know. And by the power of the spirit, I'm going to educate you and transform what you know in a new way. And you will be bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the kind of gracious. He doesn't need us but he wouldn't dream of accomplishing his kingdom principles without us. Can you imagine how much he loves us that he says, I won't even let your sin get in the way because of the cross. I'm going to use you and I'm going to include you. I don't have to, but I want to. God wants to use you in this new season. We got to hear and speak out. God, what is the vision? I asked him for about six days. Maybe he was saying it the whole time. But I didn't hear him until about day six. He told me a message out of 1 Samuel 16, which I talked about last Thursday night. He gave me this particular passage, and he said, Ron, where it is my vision, there will be provision. Listen, we were able to buy this house with money and savings. We've had about 37 or 38 or 30, I don't know exactly, but money has been given. We're going to need probably twice that, but, but hey, it's his vision. I know that God is on this thing. The money is going to come. Right? I know that when I try, the money is going to come. Because it's his vision. It is our job to hear his vision and to obey it. It is his job. We're not supposed to carry any stress. It's his job to show up in his presence, his person, his power, and his gifts to use us to accomplish the vision that he reveals to us. My challenge for you this morning is to begin to ask him in this season, what is your vision for the next years of my life? You know, there's all kinds of business people do these five-year plans. I had consultants come in here and say, well, what do you want to do in five years? And I'm like, oh, I want a TV ministry. I'm kind of kidding. But I mean, it mean, you know, I mean, I doesn't make a bit of difference. I had enough sense to know. It doesn't matter what I want in the next five years. I didn't know, I hate to say, I'm embarrassed to tell you this now, but back then, in my 30s, when they came in to consult, I didn't know to say... I, I've been praying, and God says, this is the vision for this church. I, I, I'm sorry to tell you that. It's taken me into my middle, late 40s to know I've got to ask God, God, what is your vision for the church? And I feel like he's told me in this time of sickness where I could spend more time with him in prayer, i got a fresh vision for this next season. And the assurance that as you follow this vision, not with stress or burden, you don't have to make anything happen, as you follow this vision for families and for healing in this next day, in unexpected ways, my spirit is going to come and pour out. Uh, just hear my vision and obey it. I'm in charge of the provision. Sometimes as leaders and, and husbands and wives, we're worried about how? Where's the money? Jesus is saying, the money is my problem. Your problem is to make sure that what you're doing is what I want you to do. Okay? God is asking us to get and to hear his voice about the vision. He will provide the provision. If you'll notice in the Bible, when people got behind and were doing what God said, if he has to send ravens to feed us pulled pork sandwiches, he will do it. Okay? He's got the resource. The problem is, we've got to get on the same page with God. Okay? There's a lot of things that we thought were going to happen a certain way in a certain time you got to let that go say okay lord i'm going to listen what you say and then show me the part i have to play okay there's our part is always a little part he blesses and multiplies okay he accelerates all these things okay we just have to do our little part faithfully we do that faithfully god's taking care of everything else okay and when we get it wrong we say lord jesus i'm sorry i blew it again Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. You know, I feel like in my life, I am seeing more sin in my life now than I ever did. I'm just like, I cannot believe how often I'm self-willed. Or, and I'm just, I'm just having to, to turn to the cross more now than I ever remember. My hunch is that my eyes are getting better. I, you know, Susie's probably saying, oh, dear Lord, you should have been doing that 20 years, you know, 30 years. But all I can tell you is I'm seeing more now than ever. And I'm so grateful I know to turn to the cross. Turning to the cross, Lord, for what I'm not. Okay? The passage in the Romans this morning, those who are dead are dead to sin. Listen, it's in the knowledge as we turn back to the cross that we're dead, that the Spirit can live in us. Okay? New wills, new minds, new perspective, new capacity, empowered by the Spirit as we stay in touch with Jesus and the provision of the cross. Would you stand with them to pray over you? Lord Jesus, this is a season, Lord, where you're asking us as a church uh, to hear your vision. And, and, and it's bigger than just what I can hear. That's why we're a body. Lord, I pray as you begin uh, to, to answer the prayers of this congregation, that the vision of this church would become clearer than ever before. Lord, we thought it might be one way. We know that healing is essential and part of the gospel. We know the essential necessity of the Holy Spirit being to the forefront. But Lord, uh, maybe we put you in the wrong box. And maybe we've uh, we've thought it was going to happen a certain way. Lord, we want to open up our hands and release every preconceived idea of how this next season is going to happen. And we ask you by the power of your spirit that you would begin to birth within us a new and clear perspective and vision for this next season. And Lord, that we'd have the wisdom to to hear and then to discern the how and the when and the where by your spirit, Lord, that you would move mightily, Lord, that this church would preach your gospel faithfully. Lord, that your presence and your power and your gifts would be happening massively everywhere we go. Lord, we pray that you'd be bringing us together in small groups like never before for fellowship, for prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, just things that have been so hard. Lord, we know as we turn to you and get on board with your vision, uh, the freedom, the provision you're bringing by your spirit, we anticipate and long for. And we thank you because, Lord, when we hear your vision, provision is coming. So we ask, Lord, uh, not for the provision. You promised that. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Your vision, together, uh, Lord, as a family. Lord, I love these people. These are the ones that you chose for me and me for them. Lord, help us be faithful in that. That our brother and sister and relationships here would be so strengthened, Lord. Increase our faith, increase our love. We ask these things in the most precious and wonderful name, the name of Jesus, and the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.